I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. for another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about celebrating differences, um, which is kind of a little bit of a vague topic, um, but um, I'm kind of excited because personally, like, I, I found, like, with this topic, there are almost, like, too many books um, that could fit sort of that description, uh, so I sort of stuck with ones, like I usually do, that are kind of a little bit on the nose, talking about differences kind of directly. Um but yeah, I'm interested to see what you have, Rebecca. But before we get into it, I just want to uh, remind folks um, in case, uh, I don't know how you listen to these episodes, um, but if you don't listen to our main episodes, I just want to let folks know that we are currently doing a Kickstarter fundraiser for our third season. So it's all or nothing. So if we um, don't meet our goal, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to produce the third season, uh, but we're very close. We're about $400 away. We're like 86% uh, funded. So if you can um, take some time to look at that um, and, uh, you know, potentially donate or share, um, even a dollar really helps. And you can get cool stuff for even a dollar, actually. Um, so definitely check that out. And you can do that by going to www.kickstarter.com and just search Rad Child Podcast Season 3. Uh, all right. Without further ado, I guess we'll get into it. So I have three books today. And the first one I'm going to talk about is called An ABC of Equality. Um, and actually, I found this book uh, through the kids that I nanny uh, in their library. Um, and I, it's funny because they don't, you know, they're not um, particularly, uh, you know, the goal of their uh, cure, you know, they're not sort of, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is they're not like sort of intentionally curating a library of diverse books or, you know, things like that. Um, they just sort of have kind of a mishmash of things that people have given them mostly. And uh, so I was kind of surprised to find this um, because it's a book that I hadn't heard of, uh, which I'm always excited when I find a good book that I haven't heard of because uh, it means that they're coming out so fast, can't even keep track, which is awesome. Um, so again, it's called An ABC of Equality. It's written by uh, Shana Janelle Ewing and illustrated by Paulina Morgan. Um, and uh, Shana Janelle Ewing is a Black woman who also actually uh, has, it's like, so I love like just the um, different, talking about differences, just like the people who get up to like all kinds of things. I feel like I'm like that, like I do a million different things. And she actually is most well known for um a like subscription type box that she first it was a subscription box and then it was uh, like basically of like beauty products that were all um sort of made by or products that were all made by black women um i think it was specifically women i have to double check that black but at least black folks um and then it became sort of a, a website of, of curated items um so that's sort of her jam and then she was like hey i'm also gonna write a children's book <laughs> This is blowing, I have to interrupt, this is blowing my mind. I have never heard of this book either, and it looks adorable. So good. And, it's... yeah. Let me oh, wow. Let's double check my, okay, so, and the, the company is called Genie, G-E-E-N-I-E. So it's a curated beauty marketplace that mirrors your beliefs. I guess whatever my beliefs are, it mirrors them. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. not what it says. Um, let me just see if I can. Also, she just looks like a cool person that you'd want to hang out with. Yeah, um, for real. Oh, wow. I, I'm looking at, I'm Googling and found an article from Bustle. And the first, um, the first quote, the pull quote is, you can't build anything from a depleted place. Mm. Like about the importance of self-care as like um, social justice and self-care as action. I love that. love that so much. But anyway, so she's up to all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, and then the um, creator, Paulina Morgan, uh, I didn't find out too much information about her other than that she's from Chile. Um, but so two women of color uh, created this, which is awesome. And it's published by, um, oops, I scrolled the wrong way. It's published by Francis Lincoln Children's Books, and it was published semi-recently in 2019. Uh, but long enough ago that it's surprising that neither of us had heard of it. Um, and so basically it's this super diverse alphabet book, uh, with, uh, these really, really great illustrations. They're super cute little illustrations. And, uh, basically each page has the letter, a word, and then sort of, uh, a paragraph, not like a paragraph, more like three sentences about it. And so I'm going to read a couple of my favorites. So A is for ability. Our abilities are our own unique powers. We all have different abilities. Some of us can sing and play sports. Some of us can see, hear, touch, and feel. Some of us can see, but not hear. Uh, which was like a very specific example, um, but I appreciated it nonetheless. And there's um, a child in a wheelchair who's playing tennis, and there's kids, uh, uh, what appears to be a little girl holding a wrench, and another kid with a ukulele, or a guitar rather. I'm just pushing my ukulele love, um, hmm. projecting a little bit. And then uh, I'm going to move on to B. B is for belief. The belief is when you are confident something exists. You can't see it. Lots of different beliefs fill the world, and no single belief is right for everyone. Uh, and it shows the people taking uh, religion. Uh, um, next to the letter B, just sort of a kid kind of meditating with a cat, <laughs> which I love. Um, and then I'm going to skip a letter. I'm going to skip C and go to D. Uh, D is for difference. We're all wonderfully different. Not every ability, belief, and class is the same. Differences can be good. It's great to meet people not like you, but it can be bad when we use differences to keep people apart. Uh, and it's this sort of cute uh, circle of children all kind of holding hands. Um, and I'm not sort of describing all the children, but just throughout the book, there's like tons of different, um, of you know, diversity in skin tones. There's folk wearing uh, hijab. There's, uh, you know, different abilities. So there's lots of diversity kind of across the board. The only thing, and I'll get to this sort of in my uh, room to grows, but the only really thing that's not represented is there's not much body diversity. There's a little bit, actually, as I'm looking at this uh, person, but there's not like much size diversity. Um, that would be my only kind of room to grow. But anyway, I'm just going to read a couple more. Um, G is for gender. Be yourself. Gender is a category that describes the inside feeling of being a boy, girl, both, neither, and everything in between. Um, let's see. I'm flipping. I'm flipping. Flip it. Oh, no. L is for LGBTQIA. Find the words that make you you. LGBTQIA is a short description of a range of identities described lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, intersexual, asexual. It's okay to be whoever you want to be. It's for no. No means no. No is a negative response. Every human being has the right to say no to something they do not want. P is for privilege. Be aware of your advantages. Privilege is when a human being receives benefits and advantages based on a category like gender or class or ability, like seeing or hearing. 
And then the last one I'm going to do, the very end of the alphabet, um, is X is for xenophobia. Ask questions and you'll see there's nothing to be afraid of. Xenophobia is when a person is afraid of someone who has immigrated to their country, and immigration is one of the words. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes human beings are scared of what they don't know or understand. Um, so yeah, it just has a lot of great, um, like I said, the illustrations are super, super diverse. Um, there's a, a lot of LGBTQIA inclusion in this book. Like, uh, it generally uses phrases like even in other, like it was talking about feminism, uh, F is for feminism. And it was saying like people who identify as women. Um, so the language is very inclusive. Nice. Uh, talks about gender, it talks about sex, the difference between the two. Um, it talks about pronouns. Um, and it talks about trans, T is for transgender, uh, Z is for the pronoun Z, uh, and then it talks about different pronouns. Um, so there's like just, a, it, it didn't feel, it felt very intentional on not just like, oh, we're going to throw LGBTQ, and they use the correct acronym, they use LGBTQIA. Um, they didn't put the plus sign there, but it doesn't make me too mad. Hmm. Um, but you know what I mean? Like they did, there, it, it felt very intentional on not just like they were throwing it in there as a tokenizing thing. Right. Um, uh, and the the words they picked seem really well thought out and like very focused on this theme um as opposed to like <laughs> the one i always make fun of is in uh what is it it's like a jewish baby book or so- something like that i can't remember the full name of it i have it on my shelf i should just look at it where are you not important but the one thing that i always make fun of is like X is for xylophone. Jews love music. And I was just like, that was lazy. Like, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Um, and I shared that with all my Jewish friends. and was just like, what? Um, Jews love music. Like, oh, no. Uh, like, that's a weird generalization. And just like, that's you funny. couldn't think anything for the letter X. Um, but anyway... Uh, like this book didn't like there were no words in it that made me feel like oh you just couldn't think of something mm-hmm. my mic keeps falling it's a little top heavy I'm using a new mic um, but you know like I felt like the words were very intentional I didn't feel like they just I'm just gonna say that again because my mic fell I didn't I didn't feel like they just picked words because they couldn't think of something like it felt very intentional and I also really like that they use big words like xenophobia like I uh, shared a post the other day on let me find it on Instagram because. I don't remember. I don't want to misquote it. I'm like quoting a lot of random things today that I'm badly <laughs> misquoting. Oh, yeah. so uh, the um, there's a book series that's at least here. It's not out yet, or I think at least m- might it might be that one of the books is out, but the other one isn't. But there's a book series called First Conversations, and this I shared from their page. Um, they uh, the the post says patriarchy may seem like a big word for little kids, but so is Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. And I really liked that. I was like, yeah, we can talk about xenophobia, right? Um, kids are learning other big words, you know, other big words and other big topics. And like, I don't, I mean, obviously we talk about this all the time, so it's not a surprise to anyone listening, but I don't feel like, you know, there's like, Oh, big words that we can't, you know, like adult words, you know what I mean? Like, important to talk to kids about things and like they're hearing you know big big words and they're um you know they're right if you have the news on or something they're hearing words like that in the background well exactly Um, children are steeped in the ideas and frameworks mm -hmm. um that you know just make up our society so we get to decide if we 
that we it is imperative that we give them context and share with them from that same beginning the values that we believe in so there's no guessing absolutely um and like we we also talk about a lot it's like I want to be the person who tells you what that thing is. I don't want you to find it out from someone else and maybe get misinformation, um, you know, about some of these bigger concepts and ideas. Um, so, right. so yeah, overall, I think it's really, it's a, they did a really great job with, with sort of intentionally picking words. Um, so I have a, a couple of room to grows. Um, the, so it's funny on the one hand i was talking about how they did use inclusive language like in feminism they said like people who identify as women but then right after gender g is for gender h is for human and it reads we're all human men women and children like you and i'm like but you you just said that there were other identities and then you didn't include the other identities oh yeah that is so i thought that was kind of interesting it's yeah it seems like an oversight um it seemed like a queer person did not uh maybe take a look at that in the right last pass on yeah exactly right like that's somewhere where you are like your intentionality is to be inclusive but you don't even like you like not recognizing your own blind like your own biases yeah, or maybe. And I was about help. to say own blind spots. I was about to use uh, an ableist turn of phrase because we all are working on it, right? Like we, oh gosh, yeah. But right, like having someone's someone else's eyes on it, um, that could have so caught that. Like I think it's so. We talk about this a lot, but it's so important, like, like not to be not to be afraid to not call people out about stuff, but to gently let people know like, Hey, that word is ableist or whatever. And also to like humbly accept when people tell us those things. Like my, my best friend is one of the like most woke people I know. And the other day they, they used the word dreadlocks. And I was like, Oh, I actually just found out that dreads is more or locks, excuse me, is the um, like dreads and dreadlocks is sort of terminology we don't use anymore. And we, we call them locks. And they were like, Oh, thank you for telling me that. And like, that was it. Right. Because like I, I was on, I had a person of color, I had a black person on the episode and like, they told me, you know, I use that terminology and they gently were like, Hey, we don't use that. And I was like, great. Um, and so I think it's like such good practice to be like, it's not like none of us know everything. And like, even when we know stuff, sometimes we use words that like we forget. Right. Like, you know, right. still, even I try so hard not to use the word crazy, but sometimes I say the word crazy and it's important to just like, not let it go by and pause and say, I mean, wild or whatever, just change right. it. Like as if you misgendered someone, just like pause, take a moment to fix it and just move on. Don't make a big deal out of it. Well, exactly. Um, and, and best practices change, right? Like best, like absolutely our knowledge as a language as society or in fields. Yes. Language, it changes. And, and so just being, being open to keeping up, with it rather than well actuallying or in yeah. my daying um, yeah well actually really, really valuable <laughs> oh my gosh there was i was reading a post recently that was like talking about someone's experience with their like 90 year old grandma who was able to like understand their gender and they were just like so don't tell me like in my day like if my 90 year old grandma you know immigrant grandmother coming from this conservative country can like figure it out like you can you know exactly oh my gosh but but anyway so the only other um kind of thing that I uh like rubbed me a little bit the wrong way was you is for understanding every human has the opportunity to learn and I was like but like do they and like people have different privileges and different opportunities when it comes to learning so that just like felt it felt like there was something else that needed to be added to it 
to like talk about the different like privileges around learning and like that people have different opportunities when it comes to learning um so that because uh, like yes i guess every human has the opportunity to learn in some respect but like i don't know that just sort of to me felt like there there was more that needed to be said yeah it seems like understanding right like um that seems to be coming from the same place as a lot of the at least the way that it's worded seems to be coming from the same place as a lot of this like why can't we all just get along like we just need to reach across the aisle we just need to see each other's perspectives and and um give grace to every different perspective out there and we know that that is actually um kind of a dog whistle and a way to a way to maintain um white supremacist power structures and systems of oppression yeah, totally. Um, but I mean, so those are two sort of like semi, you know, minor things that like maybe I would change the language of um, if I was reading out loud, right? I would make maybe make more inclusive language um, for, uh, you know, the first example that I was talking about, about like hu- humanity. Um, and then for the other one, maybe I would add something or, or open a conversation about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I, I think it's a great book. I was like, pretty blown away by again by the fact that this was such a cool book that I hadn't heard of right Um, I think it's really a really great little board book for uh you know honestly like I mean I read it with the twins who are two and a half but it does have like some kind of complex ideas that I even feel like you could read it with older kids and they would get more or different things out of it um oh yeah there's plenty in there that adults still need to work on (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know sit down bring it to your next boardroom meeting and um (laughs) Yeah, but I, yeah, for sure. And I, well, that's so funny that you say that because, like, I remember, I think I was, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I don't know if it was to you or someone else, but when uh, the mother of the twins that I work with was asking, had some questions about like gender identity and stuff because she is a nurse who's studying to be a nurse practitioner. Mm. Um, she's currently in school to be a nurse practitioner and she, uh, it's awesome. I don't know if this is true in the States or in different parts, different, it's different, different places, but in her program, at least here in Montreal, they specifically are learning like how to, you know, deal, not deal with queer folks, but you know what I mean? How to like interact with and um, provide, you know, the best care to, uh, you know, queer folks. And so they were, she was asking some questions about sort of the difference between, you know, gender and, you know, you know, gender identity and like all these, you know, sex and all these different things. And so I literally just brought a children's book and was like, let's just read this together. Right. Um, uh, I think, I think I brought, um, Oh, what do you call it? The... Was it the gender wheel? Yes. No, it was it? Yeah. It was the, the, who are you? by mm-hmm. And then the, um, Oh gosh, the really beautiful watercolor one that is now slipping my mind by Teresa. Uh, is it Teresa Thorne? Am I making that up? Yeah. Oh, um, the, it feels good to be yourself. Thank you. I can't think of anything today. Um, yeah, but it feels good to be yourself. Uh, I read both of those to her and she was like, got it. And I was like, great. But like kids books are so good at just explaining those kinds of things in simple way. Like my friend, for example, uh, yesterday, my friend shared an article and it was so intellectual that even I, I was like trying to, it was like talking about, um, how uh basically what they call like i don't know if they were calling it internet 
blackface or basically like using like gifts of black folks out of yeah. context mm-hmm. um and but the, but and that was like that was basically what it was saying it was just like don't do that that's not great um but it was so intellectual and i got so bogged down that okay. I, even i was like oh my god just get to the like where's the point what am i not supposed to do and um and someone, luckily, someone else commented and had the same problem. They were like, hey, this isn't accessible to me. Can you sort of just, like, give me the rundown? And, like, that's a problem I have with a lot of, like, things for adults is that, like, we're also just, like, as a society, we're impatient. We just want the answer. We just want right. to know. We don't, like, and some people do want the lengthy, you know, thesis about it. Um, but most of us are just like, okay, what? What's the we need thing? the We need the TLDR <laughs> version. Yes. And that's what children's books are. Right, uh, right. Which is why I think, you know, if people can humble themselves a little bit and not be like, oh, I'm so, you know, don't feel like you're stupid because you're reading it. Ch-. Like, they're so good at explaining things. <laughs> well, and, and they're, they're works of art. Like, I'm, you know, picture yeah. books are gorgeous works of art. Um, yeah. like, at least good ones are. Yes. <laughs> uh, can I jump? Can I add two things? Yes, please. So, my first thought is one other just kind of just being introduced to this book now um, through this conversation, but mm. I'm curious about um, the choice to use the word equality instead of equity. Equity. Yeah. yeah. I had the same idea in the title. I, and I, I think that probably that was again, just like, I don't think that was an intentional choice. I think probably maybe they haven't seen that uh, artwork yet. <laughs> it's been going around on Facebook of the people with the baseball, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. The just, justice versus equity versus equality. Yeah. 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 With yeah. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, but I have a feeling maybe again, like it could have used uh, another editor or someone with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of people don't know that like the difference between and like do you do you mind talking a little bit about the difference between equality and equity um well just in a very cursory way just that equality is i mean i guess the the new understanding of the Mm -hmm. difference is that equality is treating everyone the same Mm -hmm. and equity is meeting each person's individual need oh my gosh i was reading it just sparked something i was reading a uh, another post not that same one about this and and a teacher was saying what she does every year is she has the kids kindergartners line up and she has them come up with a fake injury right i have a boo-boo mm-hmm. injury or wherever and if the first kid says i have a boo-boo on my hand she puts a band-aid on their hand and then no matter what any of the other kids say she puts a band-aid on the same spot on their hand and she says well i treated you all equally right i gave you all the same treatment and they were like, okay, but you're not meeting our needs, right? And so, like, that's how she explained it to young kids. Right, um, right. And I, and I really like that idea. It's, like, a very simple way. And she was like, and they get it, right? Yeah. Um, but I liked that example a lot. Yeah. And then justice is um, is removing the barrier, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. taking, going one step further, removing the systemic kind of um, uh, reason for the barrier Yeah. in the first place. Um, yeah, yeah, we like, uh, it came up in actually in my work this year as an educator, mm-hmm. because we were trying to um, get tech into the hands of all students. Mm-hmm. And one person, um, one person's kind of just, um, what am I going to say, their default approach was to wait for all the tech to come in, which of course, there was a huge back order, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone was suddenly needing tech because of distance learning. Yeah. So one person's kind of initial gut approach was to wait for all of it to come in, and then distribute it all to everyone at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of the fair way to do it. Mm-hmm. And it was gently pointed out, 
that that is um, an equality approach, mm-hmm. but an equity approach would be to take whatever had come in right now and figure out who needed it the most and get it yeah. to them immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so that would be an equity approach. And so I, that really resonated with me and I'm really, um, I'm really happy to be working um, in a community that <laughs> is taking an equity approach to learning. And- and I think it also has to do a lot with privilege too, and not um, sometimes recognizing our own privilege and just being being st- like not in a negative way, but just like uh, like for example, um, I, I when I do just to part the curtain a little bit, uh, when I have do the other uh, the sort of main episodes with the guests, I usually send out an email uh, a couple of days before uh, the recording with sort of all of the sort of technical stuff of what you need to do and the questions I'm going to be asking and it ha it happened to me a couple of uh, weeks ago that I-, I sent it really last minute like usually I try to send it in advance but I had just like forgotten to write up the questions I had a busy week whatever and so I sent it last minute and the person was like I don't have a computer and I was like wow I made the assumption that everybody has a computer like wow. you know and like so- and it just like it- and it really struck me and I was like I need to send this email out first (laughs) right like immediately and then I could like if I have to send the questions in a separate email that's fine but like I just hadn't even realized that I made the assumption that everybody has a computer and everyone has access to a computer you know at a whims you know at a moment's notice right Right. Um, because I then had another guest the following week oh my gosh I felt so bad I sent the email earlier because I was like I don't want this to happen again and then the person was like the day of the recording they were like so I actually borrowed two computers and they both aren't working. So like, oh. it's not going to work out. But I was like, wow. Like also, first of all, like what are the chances that that's going to happen two weeks in a row? Um, but, but it really made me examine like my privilege and be like, hey, like how can I make this more, you know, uh, meet people where they're at with this? And, um, you know, also try to in the, unfortunately in like pre-COVID times, I have access to a studio where I could do a phone call instead. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, trying to figure out how to make it accessible with a program that only works on the, on computer um, right. was interesting for me to for me to think about. Um, and so. So, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with our, our own privilege, too. But anyway, <laughs> this is just like a whole, whole great side tangent. Um, but yeah, it's important to talk about. And I had one other side tangent that yes, I wanted to mention. Um, and Kat, you can cut all this out if it doesn't end up being relevant. But when you mentioned to me about the nurse, the um, the nursing mm-hmm. practice and the studies, I just wanted to throw out there. Um, there is a podcast that I listened to. Originally, it was called Throwing Shade, but they kind of recognized the appropriation of that term. And now they've mm-hmm. changed the name to Attitudes. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure exactly where how it would show up in anyone's, um, you know, podcast feed. Yeah. But um they did there's my dog they did the most amazing they had someone come in who just who talked they did this amazing q a about um uh exactly that about um working in the health field with trans uh patients Mm-hmm. and all of the the language and just all of the like breaking down assumptions and it was the most amazing informative um kind of episode yeah that's and awesome. i'm so sorry that my dog is just barking hopefully we can just edit that right out somehow um yeah if you if you can try your best to not 
to talk when the dog is sleeping. That's the best way to do it. Okay, hold um, on. Let me let me see what she's let me let me let me let me run and okay. see. Okay, investigate. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Hi, this is Catherine editing the podcast, and I just want to thank Rebecca to think that I have the skill to remove a dog from a track. Sorry, I'm not that good. Okay, I'm back. I have no idea what. <laughs> what her deal is um yeah exactly um yeah if you can find if you can find a link to that episode um, they had so um aaron gibson and brian Safi are the hosts of the podcast and they talk about um like gen uh like feminist issues and like lgbtqia issues uh in the news and they're, they're very funny and very insightful. Um, so I think maybe like, I'll try to pull up one of the episodes and we can link to it in the show notes. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. To yeah. learn what kind of best practices and um, evolving understandings are in nurse practicing. Yeah, I think. And like you said, I think that's the key is like, everything's always evolving, right. And changing. And like you were saying before, just like keeping up with you know, actively trying to keep up with stuff and, and not, again, like not to get, you know, defensive or offended if someone's like, hey, by the way, you know, this right. is the, the best practices or this is the, you know, terminology, right? Um, and it's also think, good for our brains yeah. to push ourselves to grow. Yes, always, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're never going to know everything. And like, like we were saying, like everything's always, cha- everything's always changing. Like, yeah. you know, uh, I think about that a lot with like the word queer and how like that means so many different things to so many different people. And I, um, I was trying to find sort of like other words for queer because I was I was trying to come up with a title for something that was like a little gay but not too gay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another podcast I'm working on, oh. totally different and unrelated to this. It's it's a D and D. Basically, I'm doing a D and D podcast with all queer folks. Um, but anyway, so I was trying. I was looking up, and the first thing that came up when I typed queer was slur, and I was like oh dictionary that's not true anymore like like it is for some people but like there needs to be more explanation on that like it's not just like oh it's a slur um Mm -hmm. right and it's it's such an evolving word and language just evolves and changes and you know it's so important to uh you know uh to kind of keep keep with it (laughs) absolutely um, did you find another word uh, you know, I didn't, everything that I was finding was just like, um, it was more like LGBTQIA, like, what does that mean? Kind of terminology stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. I already know what those words mean. I right. don't need this. It's not for me. Um, maybe but... you just need to find a meme. The title of your podcast <laughs> might have to be a meme that represents. We have a working title right now that I really like. Um, we'll cut this out, but, uh, which is out adventuring, like, mm-hmm like gone fishing but like the out is going to be gay like we're all out of the yeah, yeah. kind of thing um i like that's that. really cool that's really, i think I like it's that really a lot. cute but two of the people in the group there's five of us think it might be a little like juvenile and i was like i don't think so but okay juvenile um, yeah i don't like it sounds like it's for a young audience and i'm like dudes we're making a pg-13 podcast so like it is kind of for a young audience right but anyway, oh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't 
I don't, it doesn't read that way at all to me, like that it would be for youth. And also I think how how you style the logo or whatever. Yeah, that's what I, I know. I agree. Well, if no one thinks of anything better, that's what we're going with. So, (laughs) um, so I'm not going to make an effort to think of anything better, (laughs) but, uh, but anyway, so, um, so yeah, I think that's all, that's all just like really important things to think about. (laughs) Um, I am going to move on to my next book. Um, which uh, actually also the title of it evolved, um, keeping in the theme. So it was originally called The Barefoot Book of Children, and now it is called uh, Barefoot Books Children Around Children of the World. Barefoot Books Children of the World. Um, so that title also changed and evolved. Um, and that uh, is by uh, Kate De- Kate De Palma and uh, Tessa Strickland, and is illustrated by David Dean. Um, as far as my research could tell, um, all of these folks are white, um, but the it felt to me, and again, as a white person, like not as someone coming from um, any of the various cultures, religions, whatever that are depicted, um, it felt really well researched, um, mm-hmm. and like maybe it did have a good editing team, um, but again, like I would be interested to see what you know, some folks, uh, you know, whose cultures and things were depicted in the book would have to say about it. I didn't find anything um, glaringly negative when I was doing my research. Um, but I, you know, again, I'm coming from my perspective. Um, so it was uh, published originally in uh, 2016. And if you couldn't tell from the title, it was published by Barefoot Books. Um, they uh, they actually have a lot of really great books that are they're kind of like a smaller publishing company and they have a lot of great books that have a lot of like incidental inclusion um like this book you know is about kids but it also right there are lots of different families depicted and the language is very um it's the one of the most inclusive books that i've found as far as the language used around families i'll talk a little bit about that later um but one thing that there was another book i don't remember the title there's because i immediately was like no um but someone sent to me and it was like everybody has a family and i was like that's not true bye (laughs) and this book specifically was like most kids or some kids have a family and then talked about different kinds of families like foster families and adoption and all different kinds of things and i was like correct like not everyone has a family um and so i uh i appreciate i just in general, they're uh, they're definitely a really good publishing company and uh, one to look into. Um, I did like the bad thing where I just went on their website and added everything I wanted in my cart, um, and then like <laughs> sadly you can't buy like two hundred dollars worth. Of it. Um, <laughs> but I but they're definitely a great definitely go on their website and uh, if you have two hundred dollars to spend on books, uh, yeah. go on their website and look at all their great books. Yeah, <laughs> or I... look at them and then get them from the library. I actually shift bookbox reviewed a barefoot book and we fe- we feature a barefoot book title in one of our um in one of our themes but we I we reviewed one for multicultural children's book mm-hmm. day. So you can find that review on our website which under uh, references which, which and book? resources. It was amazing places about 15. Oh. It's kind of like a aspirational travel guide for children okay. like giving some details like kind of like a I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but kind of like a BuzzFeed article or like one of those like Nat Geo or Atlas yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, lists of 15. And a lot of them are from like the, the final list of the seven wonders of the new world. Right. Like, so it's not um, nothing super kind of obscure, 
but mm. 15 remarkable monuments around the world and kind of what you would find if you go to go to explore there i love that yeah i enjoyed it yeah they have a very like global approach um yes which general and they have done a nice job of kind of shifting away from that like multicultural lens to a more um equity lens which Mm -hmm. which i appreciate yeah absolutely um so basically it's you know at sort of it's most watered down it's basically just a book about all different kinds of kids all over the world and the aspects of their lives so it talks about things like where they live the people in their lives um their bodies uh their houses the food they eat like all just these different aspects of their lives um so it's not really like a narrative book uh it's just kind of like hey some people do this and some people do that um mm-hmm. but uh it's really really beautiful and i think it's really well done like th- those kinds of books can be boring but i don't i think it is very captivating um so i'm just gonna read kind of a couple of quotes and talk about the illustrations and uh to give you sort of a a gist so the first page says every morning millions of children open their eyes and start another day and it has this beautiful illustration almost like a grid um i mean it's not it's like a rectangular kind of grid of just all different eyes of different kinds Mm -hmm. of eyes uh different skin colors different eye shapes all that stuff um of kids you know opening their eyes uh and then um there's also a really beautiful two-page spread with all different kinds of bodies so there's like a kid in a wheelchair there's a kid with an eye patch which like i don't know that i've seen in a book that's not like about a pirate (laughs) um so i appreciated that uh and then it says we all come in different shapes and sizes and hues like jewels or flowers or fish long legs small hands curly hair freckled skin hazel eyes no two people have bodies that are just the same um i just the the comparison to like um like we all come in different shapes sizes and hues like jewels flowers or fish fish is a random one um but i i like the idea it reminded me of just ask uh by sonia sotomayor that we talked about mm-hmm. um with the idea of like comparing the people and their differences to flowers um and or other or things like like they're saying jewels like other things that like are also things that are beautiful but not the same um and like the idea that like it would be boring right if all of them were the same so i i really like that that kind of comparison can Um, i can i jump in something um i'm just like i'm seeing this page that you're describing um Mm -hmm. on on the internet and there's just something so compelling about pages like this where where you're where you just like start to notice the differences right Mm -hmm. like there is a book that I had as a baby that I have tracked down a couple copies of called The Baby's Catalog by Jan and Alan Alberg, who also did Each Peach, Pear, Plum, which is okay. a board book mm-hmm. that a lot of folks know, that just shows like snapshots of families going throughout their day and like follows just that. like four or five different families and um, kind of in the same way, like what breakfast looks like, what the, what the morning routine looks like. And you see just, you get just this like this side of side by side kind of comparison of each of these different families. And it's just so engaging to look at. And I feel like this has a similar where you like that person. And then also the little details of one, one of this, one of these children is doing like a cartwheel and one is peering in from the side. Yeah. It's like each of them is in kind of their own little block, like a rectangle. And one of them is kind of like poking in from the corner of the page. Like, I don't know about that, you know, right? which is like, so it's so meta. 
and like yeah. makes it this doorway and then you wonder like is she is she or they like shy like you know yeah it just, it just they really all have very strong them. personalities and there's also a kid um who's sort of doing this like standing on one leg with their arms forward who has like a bit of a tummy and I'm like right. yeah um like I would say and again I'll talk about this a little later but uh you know the again like I would have loved a little more uh, like size diversity um but I do it she almost or this kid almost reminds me of the kid in um oh gosh what was that what was that like new sort of body positive book that came out that we had kind of mixed feelings about oh um I can't think of anything today I have like uh Uh, her body can is that the one that's kind of yellow in tone yeah I think so right no, that's the one. It's uh, no, that's the "Love Your Body" by Jessica Sanders. Mm-hmm. Her body can was the is uh, it's got like a blue cover. Oh right, yep, yep, You're, yeah. By right. Addie Meshk and yes. Katie Crenshaw. Yeah, yes. And we had we had talked about about that one um, in our episode where we talked about uh, body positivity and that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I felt like that body type was very similar to that, where like they were they were like kind of shying away from like making someone overtly like fat or like. You know what I mean? They were mm-hmm. like, well, they've got a little bit of a tummy. Um, right. Uh, but I think, you know, and it's interesting because, gosh, I don't remember who I was having this conversation with, but we were talking about how uh, maybe, I don't I don't think it was on an episode. I think it was just casually with a friend, but we were talking, who identifies as fat. And we were talking about this idea that like, yeah, like, because fat is still, it's still seen as like a choice and like mm-hmm. something that's bad. Like, like I made a, there was a post that a friend shared that I, I then shared on Facebook. That was something like, you know, why can't we all just admit that um, or like realize or whatever the word they use was that like uh, um, diet culture is so much worse for us than some like fucking spaghetti. Right. Uh, and I shared this, but, and it was like a, you know, kind of like curvy chubby woman eating some pasta in her underwear, uh, which like, how else do you eat pasta? Um <laughs> So we do it at my house. Uh, But anyway, so uh, I had shared this and didn't realize that the post was set to public. Mm -hmm. And I had several people, like a handful of random strangers, just be like comments that were just like, uh, that's not true. Have fun being obese or like weird, just like fighting with me and arguing with me about, I'm like, first of all, this post doesn't say be obese. It says eat some pasta and diet culture is bad. Like it was so interesting. Like the turn people's like people were like so hardcore about it. And I was just fat phobia and fat shaming is like the last like acceptable oppression. Yep. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously not acceptable in any way. I hope that that's very clear to anyone, (laughs) to our listeners, but it's absolutely like even acceptable. Yeah. Sorry. I'm totally talking over you. No, my gosh. No, you're fine. It's just like the same way, like I was saying, it's because it's seen as a choice, which first of all, what? Um, It's just like, there are so many different reasons that people are the size that they are. Like, Right. And there are so, there is like zero correlation between, very little correlation between health and and body size. Yeah. And fat and amount of fat on the body is yep, not yep, yep. correlated like correlate with Tony, like this, the whole thing. But anyway, all of this to say that I think that in a lot of children's books, um, illustrators 
like my interpretation of them kind of shying away from making fat kids is because people are like, oh, that's bad. I don't want my kid to be fat, right? Um, right. And so, like, they don't want to show something that's seen as like a unhealthy lifestyle, or like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so I think that they that often it'll be like, oh, this kid has a little tummy, but like that's as far as we'll go. They'll grow um, out of it. They'll grow out of yeah. that child. Yeah, they're their baby fat. Yeah, um, which is why I just uh, you know I would love to see books that because like regard just the same way that I feel about like regardless of whether or not you quote unquote agree with gay folks existing or queer folks existing they exist and you're gonna see them right so like whether or not you think it's okay for a kid to be fat there are fat kids and like not representing fat kids is like not okay you know what i mean yeah it's not about your value of that thing it's about like this thing exists people exist right and representation matters yes Uh, Yes. i'm also noticing that one of these children i don't know if in this case um vitiglio would be the right term oh yeah and i'm pronouncing that wrong vitiligo that's right vitiglio i added i I made it italian that's okay i called Um, it vertiligo (laughs) for a really long time so i put an r in there so one of these there's a child who has it looks like some sort of um you know like some uh coloration on their skin Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. actually didn't notice that because I'm looking at a video and it's kind of like there's oh, a glare. Got uh, it. And the angle, I didn't notice that. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, again, we've talked about it for like five minutes. So clearly it's a very captivating page. I know. Um, <laughs> the way they, like I was saying before, that's why I feel like it's interesting because it could be kind of a boring concept, um, but they make it very captivating. Uh, I think yes. it's just really well done. Um, and then it talks a little bit about, like I was saying, it talks about like different kinds of homes and different sort of like uh, aspects of people's lives like that and uh one of the pages i liked it was talking about like having clean water to drink and mm-hmm. um and then the next page says we need water to clean ourselves too and it has this great spread of different ways that people bathe like they have like communal style bathing um and like there's someone bathing in a river uh and so there's just like i really appreciated that um because like <laughs> when i was in high school uh i took a trip to japan which was super cool uh, especially because I was like obsessed with anime at that time. So like going to Japan was like a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was one of the things that like everybody was like, ooh, because we went to a hotel and like there's like communal bathing. And um, and I was like kind of mad because like culturally, like everybody just wanted to wear their bathing suits and culture that was like kind of insensitive, like weird and offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I didn't want to do it, but I was like, but then I'm going to be the only naked person and everyone's going to know what I look like naked and it's just going to be weird. <laughs> um, I did end up wearing my bathing suit, uh, but but it was like, I didn't know what that looks like or even like for example in japan they also um the toilets are like in the ground like you squat mm-hmm. and it's a toilet in the ground i had no idea that was a thing until i went to japan um so like i appreciated this book showing sort of just snapshots of different uh the ways people do things in different parts of the world um that like maybe you know obviously if it, you know unless you've particularly read a book about that or have been there you might not know um so i really liked that um, and then there was another page that I really liked that set that read some people worship, some people pray, some people meditate, some like quiet time to think some people prefer to take life as it comes. And it has this beautiful illustration of people of various faiths, uh, as well as someone just meditating and someone just enjoying the outdoors, um, which I, I really liked, um, because we've talked about in other books where sometimes like, uh, I'm thinking of 
the book the memory box um which is uh we talked about we talked about death and grief mm-hmm. and um there was like a page that said like oh i go to places that help me remember you but it was clearly a church and right. i was like hmm, like this could have been a snapshot of different places this could have just been someone outside this could you know it could have been so many different things but that made it very narrow mm-hmm. um uh, for people uh, and it narrowed the amount of people who could relate to that page and so what i liked about this page was that it basically was like whether you do this or not like we got we got you covered illustration wise Um, and so I really I I liked that Um, and again it opens that door to talk about different kinds of people and the way that they worship and different faiths Um, and then uh, at the I don't know if it's it's one of the last pages reads every life is a story it's easier to understand someone when you know their story Mm. Um, so so yeah I just really really enjoyed this book um it has these beautiful diverse illustrations like i was saying there's uh besides uh the um ability differences there's also one thing that i noticed that i liked was there's like a boy who's dancing uh like you know where you know like a leotard and not just like casual casual dancing serious dancing um (laughs) you know and, and things like that where there's like breaking gender norms and different kinds of things um i also like that parts of the books are interactive so in the very beginning of the book it it reads uh we we are we are all somewhere where are you what can you see or smell or hear from where you are so it has pages like that that sort of um break break up uh not really a narrative but you know what i mean like you pause and you know ask the kid questions and it sort of brings them break the fourth wall yes exactly Mm -hmm. and it engages the kids directly in the story um and makes them part of the story which i think is really cool and i think it's uh really well balanced where it's not like too many questions or too few questions um where because because at first like in the beginning of the book they ask that question and then they don't ask another question for a while and i was kind of like oh that's weird but then at the end they kind of bring it back um i was like okay okay i feel better now i was just like are you just gonna ask one question and never ask one again um that's cool because it like it it situates the reader where they mm -hmm. they start to do that thing where they like look at the eyes and then look at think about their eyes look at the and i know that one would say like well you do that anyway but not necessarily right like when you read a story sometimes it's to take you into the store not not Mm -hmm. to take you into the story but to enjoy someone else's story but just Mm -hmm. with a couple little questions it kind of triggers that like that empathy or that um that putting yourself putting yourself in the narrative yeah absolutely um i think also it does a really good job of like like i was saying earlier it does a great job of not generalizing right it talks about how everyone needs a home but then talks about different kinds of homes and different ways kinds of you know homes might look it talks about how kids need someone to take care of them but talks about how that might look different like a foster family or step family and then it says uh, most children have families like I was talking about before so I think it does like that's something that in a lot of books really turns me off like I was saying when I read statements like all children have families or like everyone has access to education I'm just like you can't say that you can't say everyone <laughs> you can't say all because it's just never true right um and so it's funny I was I'm thinking of I I try to use that language. Most people, some people, uh, when talking about body parts, like I'll, like we're we're doing counting this week with with the kids, and so you know we'll count our fingers, and I'll be like, yeah, you have five fingers on that hand. Most people have five fingers on their hand, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then one time, 
we were talking about like a body part, like a stomach or something. And I was like, well, well, I guess everyone has, can I say, yeah, I think everyone has, like, I had to think about it for a minute. And I'm like, I don't think you could live without that. I think I can say with confidence that everyone has a stomach. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Uh, you know, but it was funny. I just like caught myself. I was like, huh. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I think it's really good to shift that kind of language. And it's really nice to see a lot of times I have to do the work of changing that language in books. So it's nice to see a book that like already does that work for me, Mm -hmm. Um, which like, come on books, get on it. And it really just like is about celebrating differences and, uh, and learning about people instead of sort of being afraid of differences, which kind of reminds me of the xenophobia um, the text about xenophobia and an ABC of equality, where it's sort of like the idea of learning about other people and that fear comes from kind of not knowing um, and just encouraging us to like learn about each other, um, which I think, you know, is a really uh, positive, positive message and a good message. Right. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, this book also, this book also ends on a note of like understanding mm-hmm. But and the other in the other story that you shared, we kind of uh, took issue with the inclusion of that term, right? Mm-hmm. For you, for understanding. Um, I'm remembering that right, right? The word was yeah. understanding for you. Um, and it's just it's just interesting, like. Um, yeah, you is for understanding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting the way that this the tenor of this book we didn't really take the same mm-hmm. issue with yeah, it. Yeah, not the word. It's the context. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah, I think there's something in there about like, or I guess to me, maybe in the alphabet book, it, it reads as like a dog whistle because that whole concept has been kind of reappropriated mm-hmm. as a way to punch down by certain groups, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it seems like it's really punching up a little bit or like, you know, yeah. talking about dismantling prejudices and dismantling assumptions yeah. to create understanding. Yeah, I, I agree. It definitely, it's not necessarily that that word can't be used, but like the context of the word definitely feels different in this book for sure. Right. Um, really, besides the kind of size um, diversity that I would like to see, um, the only kind of room to grow I have is that like it might be, a, it's a bit long of a book um, for this kind of, uh, you know, nonfiction type book. So like, if you have a kid who gets bored by long books, it might not be the book for you, or it might be a book you read in pieces. Um, but it's it's less of a, it's more of just like a, um, you know, just letting you know if you have a kid who likes short books, this might not be the one for you. Um, but I, I still think, like, I don't I don't know that I would take anything out of this book. Like, I think that it does a really good job. Um, and I, I it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me as much as it's just sort of a, like, heads up. Um yeah, and that's uh, that's it for that one. And then I have one more, and I promise I'll let you talk. Um, <laughs> I know we might have to split this into two episodes. We're having yeah. so much fun talking about it. I know. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, that was like uh, the other day. Cat cut this out. Uh, the other day, I had only one guest show up out of three. Oh, no. And uh, they are also, they're a queer nanny from the UK. And I was like, let's just talk about being queer nannies and it'll be bonus content. So we just <laughs> talked about, I was like, give me like five minutes to come up with some questions and we'll just chat. So I just interviewed them and we talked about like being queer nannies and the intersection of those identities and how it affects our nannying. And it was a great conversation. Um, but it was so funny. I was just like, well, this is bonus content, I guess, because I don't want to waste your time. Like, I want to use the time we have, right? 
Right. Um, oh, that's awesome. But, oh my god. But anyway, um, so the last book that I want to talk about uh, is called Lovely, uh, and it's by Jess Hong, and uh, it's uh, written and illustrated by Jess Hong, uh, who is a person of color, and it was uh, published by Creston Books in 2017. So it's a little bit of an older, older book. Um, and Wait, it, are you saying that 2017 makes it an old book? <laughs> Uh, I mean, how many years ago is that? That's three years ago. No, four. I mean, okay, I'm reading a a series of chapter books to my son that were written written in the 1970s. So I think I had to. This is older. Okay, that's different. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's like my my friend yesterday tagged or like commented on a post that was back from my freshman year of college and we realized that it had been almost 10 years since we graduated college and i was just like ah that's <laughs> gross um but anyway so, that's gross <laughs> i'm so old i graduated college let's see i graduated high school 20 years ago yeah okay. yeah 20 years ago. ago so you're a baby you are a baby no. Listen, I've developed carpal tunnel. I, it's a just, I'm gut, it's a downhill from here. I'm 30 now and it's just all, my body's just falling apart uh, and it's all downhill. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, I've got like so many, like I go to the doctor now with a little folder of all my like diagnoses all and surgeries and my, a list of my medications so I don't have to write them out. Like I'm there. I'm my grandma. I've become my grandma. <laughs> Anyway, you're, you're a very organized and <laughs> ill baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, um, so um, so yeah, so we're talking about "Lovely" by Jess uh, Jess Hong, and oh, I just scrolled away from the page. Let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Um, and uh, so this book almost reads as a poem. Like it has very little text, um, but the illustrations really do the work in this book, which I, I really love. And so I'm just kind of going to read the little poem uh, and then I'm going to kind of go back and talk about the illustration. So um, the book reads, what is lovely? Black, white, tall, short, lovely, simple, complex, fluffy, sleek, lovely, soft, sharp, big, small, lovely. Fancy, sporty, graceful, stompy, lovely. Lovely is different, weird, and wonderful. Lovely is you. Lovely is me. We are all lovely. Um, mm. Yeah, so it almost reads like a poem. It's like very simple. Um, and uh, it, it, like I said, the illustrations really kind of uh, are, are what packs the punch in this book. So um, it starts out, what is lovely? And there's this girl uh, with blonde hair, and she has two different colored eyes. Um, and then when it says black, white, it's there's like um a black person with white hair and sort of like white a white outfit and a you know a white person with like black who's kind of like gothy with like black hair and like black you know um accents and their outfit and things like that um and there's a lot of this sort of like juxtaposition of things like that in this book so for example the next one is tall short and it's like a tall person with a really little dog and a short person with a really big dog Mm. um so there's a lot of like that going on in this book and then it says lovely and it's it's a two-page spread of this person's face and they have a unibrow and lovely is the unibrow (laughs) so like it's written in her unibrow oh that's cool Um, yeah, it's, it's really neat, the illustrations. And then it says simple, complex, and there's two arms. It's a two-page spread of two arms of ta- full of tattoos, and one has, like, really simple tattoos, just a couple, and the other one has, like, a whole sleeve. Um, and then 
the next page is fluffy sleek and it's different kinds of hair two kids with different hair and then again it says lovely and this time there's a two-page spread of a big kid grinning and it's written in their braces um the lovely is written in their braces and then uh soft and sharp is uh it's a baby with a teddy bear for soft and then i love this because it's an it's an older person who has like a ton of piercings for sharp oh that's um, cool but i appreciate seeing like an older person you know with gray hair with a bunch of piercings because um, guess what they exist and also i think about this all the time where i'm just like our generation is just going to be like a bunch of tattooed pierced old people because like that's what we look like now like <laughs> eventually we're gonna get old and we're just gonna be a bunch of old people with tattoos um but uh and then the next page says big small and again it's like a tall person in a mouse costume like a small animal and a short person in a giraffe costume um and then it says lovely and it's all different hands of different um colors and it's spelling lovely in asl and in case you don't mm. know asl they each have a ring with a letter on it oh that's neat which is really neat yeah and then uh it says fancy sporty graceful stompy and it's all different kinds of shoes like people different people just like their legs from like the knee i think it's probably like knees down um or thighs down and uh it uh the what i really like is the person in heels has super hairy legs um and then one of the person has a prosthetic leg one person is wearing combat boots that's the stompy one (laughs) uh and then um it says again lovely and it's just all different spread of all different kinds of people um and then it says lovely is different weird and wonderful and again it's that girl from the beginning with the two colored eyes uh and it says lovely is you lovely is me and um it shows uh, a gay couple and a mother and their kid um and then it says we are all lovely and so the last spread we are all lovely has like all kinds of people including uh, a person with facial hair who's wearing a dress um and people of all different uh, sizes and and shapes um so i i really like this book a lot i think it's kind of nice to have like i, I think sometimes too much intention is put into words or there are books that are like too dependent on the words mm-hmm. and i think it's, it's i was about to say lovely it is lovely <laughs> when you know when i when i see where like it has more simple words but the illustrations are really like where the kind of meaning lies um, or brings more or a different meaning to the words. Um, and I just, I love like all the different kinds of representation. And like I was saying, there are certain things that I haven't, um, I don't see in a lot of books. Like I appreciated like seeing, you know, an older person with piercings or, um, you know, tattoos. Uh, we don't see uh, tattoos in a lot of children's books. Right. right? Um, unless it's like specifically, like there's a book, I can't remember the name, but it's like, my daddy has tattoos. You know what I mean? Unless it's like, about that um just like casual people with tattoos because like people have tattoos again another kind of thing that we're on we're on the precipice because now we are becoming the people writing the books and we have to you know a lot of people in my generation have tattoos um so i think it's that that shift is happening a little bit but again it's a thing that's like oh that's not family friendly to have tattoos right so weird it's like is it not family friendly to have art in your house because it's just art on my body (laughs) unless unless the the art says i hate babies like it's family friendly unless my tattoos i hate babies so i'm gonna Um, eat my pasta in my underpants (laughs) with my tattoos and you're gonna love the view deal with it um anyway uh yeah so i just really appreciated i also appreciated like um the the different kinds of families that were shown like uh like in that spread it was like a gay couple and like just a a single um 
I mean, from what we could see, it's just a mother and the kid, um, and there are people of color. I like I I, I always like when there's a family shown and there's not a heterosexual family. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate when there are books where they're just showing like we can show you know, a a marginalized group of people without there being, like, a comparison to what it should be like. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like sometimes. um, Where it's like, oh, these are all the, you know, the normal families, and we'll throw that one other family in. token representation, right, versus just incidental representation and having the the represent, you know, having the traditionally marginalized group be the representative of that idea in the book. I really loved that about this this book. It just felt so intentional, um, and like I also appreciated the inclusion of like I was saying like the hairy legs and heels, um, because I have hairy legs and I wear dresses and like I'm not shaving my legs. I don't, right. I don't like the feeling of when the hair grows back. It's annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that was so funny. That was like when I started to transition. That was like the slow decline. Like I used to shave my armpits, my arms because my arms are really hairy. And Nicole Muller made fun of me for it in the seventh grade, and then I shaved my arms ever since. Um, yep. So watch what you say to people, bullies. Right. Uh, but I used to shave my arms, my armpits, and my legs, and it was like the slow decline. I was like, well, I guess I can stop shaving my armpits. Well, I guess I can stop shaving my armpits. Well, I guess I can stop shaving my legs. I'm just going to stop shaving. Like, But right. it was like this, oh, like, well, I'll just stop doing this. Well, I'll just stop doing this. Yeah, how liberating, right? Like, so but So yeah. I loved seeing, like, and we don't know who's attached to that those legs, but I right. love seeing hairy legs with, with um with the heels it was it was fun and then i also like that they show like uh, a person with facial hair wearing a dress yeah that's uh, awesome. maybe they're the person attached to the heels who knows um <laughs> but uh but i liked that it was it wasn't it didn't feel like that tokenizing sort of diversity it felt like really intentional and like it was showing me things that i wasn't seeing in other books right um, and also, like, even with the person with the piercings, I felt like in the beginning, too, and on that, uh, on the feet spread, also, right, there's someone with combat boots, like a little punky, like, we don't see that in a lot of children's books, right? Because it's not, like, wholesome or whatever. I don't know. I I used to dress, uh, I wore black, only black, for about two years when I was in uh, middle school and high school. And um, I think it was two or three. And uh, I was, like, very kind of punky. I wore combat boots. I had, like, a dog collar with my name. I actually got, like, an engraved tag with my name on it. Yep. Um, And, uh, you know, with the spikes. And um, uh, and my mom told me once we were at church. And I would go like that. Like, I would wear, you know, my black lace skirt and my little, like, I was kind of, like, Um, Lolita-y. I was into that. And and so, like, I'd wear, like, a dressy stuff, but it was still all black. And I'd wear my combat boots. And and my mom one day came up to me. And she still, to this day, won't tell me who it was. I don't know if she even remembers now. But she came up to me and was like, you know, someone just told me, like, as a way to deter me from dressing like this. She was like, someone just told me that despite the way you look, you're actually really nice. Oh, jeez. And I was like, that's, and I literally, even at that age, I was like, that sounds like a them problem. Like, <laughs> that they were judging me for the way I was dressing is not on me. Right. Um, but I really, so I liked that, it, you know, there is this sort of um, stereotype that, like, dressing like that is, like, not good or wholesome or, you know, something that's associated being around kids, right? And I'm like, there are punks who are parents, right? Like, that exists. There also, are like, punks who are parents. There is the title of Ratchet <laughs> Podcast Publishing House's first uh, oh fall uh, release. 
yeah like i don't it's so interesting to me the things that we associate with as like like i was saying with tattoos or certain things that's like ooh, that can't be in a children's book that's like unsavory i'm like how is a tattoo of a flower unsavory like whatever i could have a whole a whole show just about that um but anyway all of that to say i really like the representation in this book um the only thing again uh, besides why is everyone skinny all the time um but and i thought it was interesting because they did tall short and then they did big small which was really just tall short again and i was like hmm that huh. could have been two different size bodies right like, that was a perfect opportunity to do that and and i'd be curious to know why why uh, the author illustrator didn't uh didn't go in that direction and why they kind of repeated the same thing um because like there were plenty of other differences they could have talked about so i thought it was kind of curious that that they sort of did the same thing twice but that's really the only complaint i have overall i think it's a really lovely book i didn't do that on purpose um <laughs> i use that word a lot uh but yeah it's a really great book and um has just really vibrant illustrations and i highly recommend it um and now i promise i'm done talking and uh yeah, I'd love to hear about your books. <laughs> well, first about about Lovely, I just want to say two things. Um, I, I wish that this was available as a board book. It seems like it would be yeah. such a natural, um, a natural board book. I agree. Um, and then also I wanted to say I really like what you brought up about kind of the way that the text and pictures work together in this book, right? Like that the pictures kind of subvert ideas or expand the meaning of ideas. Um and how that is kind of like the distinction between an illustrated story and a picture yeah. book. Like a picture book yeah. should do that. The the text and illustration should really work together to to you know be uh, to be more of the sum of their parts. Well, I'm I'm gonna probably talk about this more when we you know if we hopefully get to this topic eventually. But um, there's a really lovely book that I read yesterday. I uh, it's funny. It's been sitting on my bedside table for months i bought it many many months ago and have not read it because usually what i do when i read books is i read them to cat as a bedtime story and that's how we test new books and uh it was about homelessness and she was afraid it was going to be too sad and she, so we have not read it yet <laughs> um but i finally i was actually in a, doing a recording and one of the folks had experienced homelessness we were talking all about homelessness um which you well uh, listeners this would have been the, the last episode that you heard about differences um, and uh, so we were talking about their experience of homelessness and, and books about it and so I was like oh I gotta read this book so I can let you know if it's any good and uh, it's called I See You uh, it's by uh, Michael Genhart uh, and illustrated by Joanne Lou Veritoff and it is Imagination Press book uh, which we talk about a lot but I opened it and when I opened it I realized that this book has no words um, and it is all illustration. Um, and, and, and it was such a beautiful story and it had no words. Um, and there are some books that do this, right? Probably the, you know, not the majority of children's books, but there, it's not like a new concept. Right. Um, but I was just like, you can tell such a gripping story just through, uh, through illustrations. Mm -hmm. And, and I think sometimes like you were saying, it's like a story that's illustrated is so different than like what a picture book um you know kind of can be uh where they're working in tandem um, mm -hmm. or where it's just like i said where it's mostly the pictures doing the work there's like sort of different balance that can be achieved and and i just thought um that it was it was so interesting to see a story that was told so well without words yeah um, 
but uh, hopefully we'll eventually get to that topic and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. I don't want to spoil everything now. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm interested to hear what books uh, you have today. Well, I, well I, <laughs> before I jump into my books, I want to say that reminds me of, um, I felt very critical of one of the Caldecott winners that came out mm. um, for that, for the reason that I felt that it should have been a wordless picture book. Mm. And it's, I felt that, talking um, to which book was it? Uh, a sick day for Amos McGee. Okay. Cause I think I remember you talking about this. I probably have. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, they, they, it was a collaboration. It's a husband and wife collaboration. And I feel like what really would have took, taken it next, next level, level would have yeah. been if after she had completed the illustrations that they had just eradicated the text. Like, you know, that he could have still gotten a credit for the concept or what have you, but there yeah. was really no reason for almost any of the words. They were completely extraneous after she had finished the pictures. Mm. So, yeah. 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 I think sometimes it's hard when we're creating something to see that and like we're so, um, you know, it's it's also hard like to create something and then scrap it. Uh, I, I think the but like we have to, which is why we need outside eyes, I think. Right. Um, why you need editors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's it's so funny because my my wife is doing cat uh, is doing um, graphic design right now and web design and it's funny she'll always ask like someone in her program and then me as like kind of the layman with an arts background she's like I need two people to tell me to kind of like either confirm what I'm thinking right if I, like I'm thinking something and then two other people are like yeah that's this is also what I see without you saying anything to me then I'm probably on the right track and or like those people might see things that I'm not seeing. Um, right. and it's so important to have like different sets of eyes and different backgrounds of people, uh, looking, looking at your work for sure. Yes. Anyway. Hashtag we need diverse publishing. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Okay. Get to these books. <laughs> now actually my books. All right. <laughs> All right. We pull up the right things. Um, okay. The first book I want to talk about today is called Drawn Together. And it is written. So you you have or you haven't? I have. It sounds very familiar. Um, and it is almost wordless. It's it has very little text. Um, it's written by Min Lei, who is Vietnamese American, mm. and illustrated by Caldecott medalist Dan Santat, who is um, of Thai descent. His parents um, immigrated from Thailand um, either right before he was born or shortly after he was born. Um, they landed in Brooklyn for a while and then ended up in California. Um, and Min, Lee, Min Lei, excuse me, um, like I said, is also uh, is Vietnamese American and I believe also lives in Southern California. Hmm. Um, all the cool people live in Southern California. Oh my gosh. And actually speaking of all the cool people, uh, on Min Lei's website, he is a federal early childhood policy expert who's worked in education mean? at the national, state, and local level. And I think he, oh yeah, um, he was named one of the hundred coolest dads in America by fatherly.com in 2018. What? And he serves on the board of We Need Diverse Books. Oh so gosh. yeah, like literally one of the coolest people. Um, and then Dan Santat, there's a really great um, article. There's a really great uh, write-up about him in the horn book that we can link to in the show notes oh, yeah. um, that talks about like his kind of drive to succeed in this children's literature world. He turned down a job to be a Google doodler 
and oh, yeah. like got very little sleep, was raising two young children and ultimately won um, the Caldecott in 2015 for um, the adventures of Beekle, the unimaginary friend. Um, so that's <laughs> a, a picture book to, that we should look up. Um, so uh, both two really, really cool driven um, folks collaborated on this beautiful book. And so um, I chose this book for the topic of differences because it features a grandfather and grandson who um, at first uh, seem to have very little in common and the story showcases um, what they find that draws them together. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and so it is, and the, on the end paper to kind of describe the book, it says, sometimes you don't need words to find common ground. Um, and so this is just an absolutely gorgeous book. And the, the, the typography I read in the horn book uh, is, is, um, is uh, what's the word inspired by kind of a combination of the Thai alphabet. So mm. the, um, the grandfather and grandson featured in this book are um, Thai and so it's a kind of a combination of like the Thai alphabet with like the Western alphabet influence too. Oh, so it's kind of this melding of um, this melding of backgrounds, which is very symbolic and metaphorical, um, you know, a through line in the book. And so in this book on the title page, you see a mother um, or this person seems to present as a as female uh, with the car open and this child with a green backpack on kind of walking, their hands are kind of uh, clenched and they kind of have a dour expression. Um, she is smiling and he kind of looks, um, has some reservation as he makes his way toward um, the steps to a front door. And then you see him kind of same dour expression, like ringing the bell and the door opens and you see, so this is written kind of in a graphic or illustrated in a graphic novel approach. So these are different, um, you know, different rectangles of illustration, yeah, panels. kind of yeah. panels. There's the word <laughs> rectangles of illustration. The word is panels, Rebecca panels. I like um, rectangles of illustration. <laughs> it sounds like, like some kind of D and D item, like the, right. the sword of warding, the rectangle of illustration. So you see like the different perspectives um, in these different panels and you see the grandfather just has the most like the biggest smile on his face as he's opening the door. He's so excited to see this child and they sort of, um, you know, formally greet each other and they're waving to mom who's driving away. And this child just seems to look very askance as he's entering the household. Um, And you see their, uh, their meals grandfather's eating kind of a ramen looking amazingly delicious looking bowl of food with kind of a um, you know soft boiled egg and all sorts of you know scallions on top and then uh, grandchild has a hot dog and french fries and like a salad and then um you know sitting in silence and then uh the child says so what's new grandpa and grandpa answers and it's interesting because there's no translation here. The grandpa answers in Thai, but at the beginning, um, on the title page, I do notice that it says, um, that, uh, 
the text on page nine means how are you doing right so they're like kind of talking across each other right so like kind of at the same time grandfather saying how are you doing and grandpa saying or the grandchild saying so it's new grandpa and they just sit in silence because neither is understanding the other Mm -hmm. um and then uh they're sitting and watching the television and again like they're just the uh uh grandfather saying would you like to watch something else but he's saying it in thai and there's again no translation given here and then at the same time grandson saying can we watch something else so again they're like talking across each other and not communicating and then they're both kind of just looking kind of askance at each other and kind of askance at this television and sitting in silence and then the grandchild gets up and goes to his backpack and pulls out his art supplies and grandpa's kind of looking and there's a question mark over his head like what's going on over there and um the child he begins sorry i'm gonna say he the child presents as a as male to me i i should say they um i will say they okay <laughs> change that mid-sentence <laughs> <laughs> They, the grandchild, they are drawing like a character holding, you know, with a cape and a hat and kind of a wand and the grandpa brightens up and um, the grandpa leaves and comes back with his own sketchbook. And then we get some kind of narrative. We, um, it says, right when I gave up on talking my grandfather surprised me by revealing a world beyond words and in a flash and then there's a page turn we see each other for the first time and you see now um now this child is the has embodied well it's a beautiful double page spread where you see the figure that the child had drawn but kind of more animated and you see the a a figure that the grandfather has drawn that is in more um, like a traditional style, like a very stylized um, kind of art, like very intricate and holding a paintbrush. And they're kind of like, you know, in, uh, I don't know, their, their bodies are in conversation, if that makes sense. Like they're kind of posed toward each other, like, aha. Um, and then there's just this amazing spread um, of you kind of get the idea that they're beginning to create art together. And it says all the things we could never say come pouring out and we build a new world that we're, even words can't describe. Mm-hmm. And you just get these spreads of color where these two characters now are on this incredible adventure together. And there's dragons wow. and there are like fish dragons and swirling and this melding of styles like it's just really gorgeous um and then it says but just when we're closer than ever that old distance comes roaring back um and I don't want to give away too much of the story but it's just yeah, there's this like water dragon and they're suddenly on two different sides of a crevasse like kind of when you even kind of, I mean, I know personally, I really struggle to communicate with my own grandmother and it's not because we don't both speak the same language, but it's, you know, um, she has kind of her, she's 
becoming a little bit senile and her hearing is, is, um, we just, we just don't communicate as well as we once did. And so like, I'm, I'm just really resonating with this idea that they're in the groove and they're like working together and they're drawing together. And then suddenly something kind of pulls them out of it, you know? Um, and the way that that's illustrated here is just really compelling. Um, but then they, it says this time I'm not afraid. And I love that because it kind of points out that this child, you know, when they looked kind of sullen in the beginning, like there's, there's a little bit of anxiety and fear there when you're in a situation where you don't feel like you can communicate. Right. And so like fear had not been named at all, but then here it's named, which I think is a, is a cool move. Um, but it says this time I'm not afraid because I know that together, and again, these illustrations, I, I can't, I can't verbalize them. They're just gorgeous. You have to get this book and look at it. We can, <laughs> we can make our way across. Now, after years of searching for the right words, we find ourselves happily speechless and they're, they're embracing grand, grandfather and grandchild. Oh my gosh. These illustrations look gorgeous. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and then to the final spread uh, you get kind of those panels again. And now both grandfather and grandchild are smiling. Mom has returned. Everyone's embracing and they like the grandchild and grandfather share like a, a moment where the grandchild actually holds up the paintbrush. Right. So that's the tool that grandfather has been using and grandfather holds up a marker. So it's like they've traded art supplies. Um, yeah, it's just, these little details are just absolutely gorgeous. So it's incredibly rich, um, very little text. And I actually noticed um, something I just noticed. The editor of this book mm-hmm. is a woman named, bear with me while I make sure that I do not mispronounce um, Rotem's last name, Rotem um, Moscovich, who I went to graduate school with at Simmons oh College. Yeah. And so, and she, there's a dedication, which I just realized as I was kind of looking more closely at the the end papers and the title page, it says, um, um, from Minlay for my grandparents and everything we left unsaid and for my editor, Rotem, who helped me find the right words. Um, and then, um, Dan Santat dedicated this, the, the story um, for my grandmother, he says. Oh, I love that. So yeah, so this is about um, over. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say overcoming differences, but it's about two people in a family who feel like they have these barriers between them, finding a way to um, to combine and celebrate their differences, their artistic styles, you know, their the language, those barriers, and um, come together to create something like we're saying that's the more than the sum of its parts. I love that so much. I like so. that sort of take on differences as opposed to, like I said, I'm always very on the nose. This is a book about different kinds of people. Um, <laughs> and you always kind of interpret it in a different way, which I love um, because I like that idea of sort of overcoming differences. And um, yeah, I think it's very, uh, I think it's very relatable. Yeah. And I think books that celebrate um, the grandchild, like the relationships with the elderly, right, are very valuable. Um, I think that that can be an uncomfortable relationship for some young children um, to navigate. 
Um, or maybe that just is my own, my own lived experience. But I mean, I know that some people like, I, I feel like my own son has a very um, strong relationship with his grandparents who are in their seventies now. But again, like when we go to visit, when he goes to visit his great grandmother, my grandmother, um, or even when he, when he actually, when he communicates with my father, who also has some hearing loss, hmm. um, like it, there can be some discomfort there. So I think yeah. that showing a story that recognizes that and recognizes yeah. the anxiety and fear and, and then, um, shows the way that connections can be made, uh, is really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I love that a lot. Cause I, I think like you were saying, I think it is, um, like that the generational gap is definitely things that a thing that I think even a lot of adults struggle with, right. Um, with their parents or their grandparents and, uh, or even just interacting with people. Right. right. Um, and so I think it's definitely, uh, kind of an important topic that I don't see covered a lot, mm -hmm. you know, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a really, really beautiful book. I love it. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned it was published by Disney Hyperion in 2018. Um, yep. So that was book number one. And then the last book I want to talk about actually takes even a different uh, perspective on the idea of difference. I kind of did a very loose interpretation because mainly because maybe because I just wanted to talk about this book. Um, I wanted to talk about I dissent Ruth Bader Ginsburg makes her mark. And as I say that, I just want to double check that I've never talked about this before. Have we done this book before? I don't think so. Did you? Okay. Let me see. Oh, good. Okay. The only time I see it on our air table is today. So I'm going to assume that I haven't okay. talked about it. Um, um, so I dissent Ruth Bader Ginsburg makes her mark. And I have, um, this is a book that we feature in one of our shift book boxes. Um, and I had quite the adventure with it this year because I, um, I modified one of our shift book boxes to include this book when another book that we originally used went out of print, unfortunately. And then mm. as I made that modification, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. And so I had placed a book order that took about a month and a half to get to me okay. because suddenly everyone wanted that book and it <laughs> sold out. And oh then the, the reprint that was supposed to arrive, I think they must have modified the reprint, right? Like they went from requesting a like run of 200 more books to requesting yeah. a run of like 200,000 more books. Um, so I was like on pins and needles waiting for this book to arrive. And I was oh my gosh, it was, it was so anxiety producing. Um, but when I, I'm glad, you know, when I did, it was all worth it because it's a beautiful book. And I think that people were appreciative to have it included like in a very timely way in their shift book box. But, oh my goodness, I was, that was a very challenging month for me. Um, okay. And the reason that I, I, my loose, the way that I'm connecting this book to our theme is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is someone who was in a constant position of being the odd person out in her life of being that person oh, okay, who was okay. different. <laughs> You're like, Oh, there it is. 
Um, and she also had many differences of opinion as a Supreme Court justice. So she also, again, was always the odd person out um, and a trailblazer in many different ways. So I love that interpretation. <laughs> You're like, that's a stretch, Rebecca. No, but, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. And so this was this book was written by um, Debbie Levy and illustrated by Elizabeth Baddeley. And um, Debbie Levy is a um, Jewish, identifies as Jewish. And I just want to read this quote um, that I found from her. Um, it says, and of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, um, is Jewish, was the first Jewish woman to be appointed to the Supreme Court, was only the second ever woman appointed to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, her, her Judaism and her identity as a Jewish woman informed a lot of her thinking um, and informed her, her, her feminism. But author Debbie Levy says, being Jewish is inextricably part of who I am. I'm not particularly religious or observant, but I was born a Jew. My identity is Jewish. My culture and my thoughts and my baked goods are Jewish. <laughs> who I am cannot help but show up in my books, whether they are on Jewish or non-Jewish themes. I do have this yearning for Jews to remind ourselves and those who are looking at us that Judaism stands for and is about ethics above all, and that in my view, being Jewish is about treating people fairly and standing up for justice. Also, as Jews, we look up to those who seek knowledge, who value facts, and who put knowledge and facts in service of humanity in a mensch-like way. (laughs) And I thought that, I love that quote. I love everything about it. Um, so this story is the, is the biography of Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, and the art. So um, Elizabeth Badley has this, this great style where she includes um, text as kind of an, a, a graphic element. So there's words all over these pages um, uh, done in very different stylized ways. Um, and so she has a very kind of distinctive artistic style that I think works really well for this book. Um, and so I'll just read the first page um, and then I'll just give a little kind of summary of the book. You could say that Ruth Bader Ginsburg life, let me try that again. You could say that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life has been one disagreement after another disagreement with creaky old ideas, with unfairness, with inequality. Ruth has disagreed, disapproved, and differed. She has objected. She has resisted. She has dissented. Disagreeable? No. Determined? Yes. This is how Ruth Bader Ginsburg changed her life and ours. And on one spread, you see young Ruth Bader Ginsburg with her hand on her hip and her finger up in the air, um, you know, with a, like, shouting something. And then on the other side, you see a similar pose with Ruth Bader Ginsburg as an older person wearing her robes and her signature um, collar, um, point, both of them with fingers pointing in a very strong way. Um and then this, it's, this is a, it's a biography. So it begins in 1940. Little Ruth's neighborhood was vibrant with immigrants. 
people from Italy, Ireland, England, Poland, and Germany, Jews from Russia, like Ruth's father, Nathan Bader. Um, and it talks about kind of the different, you know, the diversity in her neighborhood, but then it talks about kind of the juxtaposition of what boys were expected to grow up to do and what girls were expected to do. Um, and it, then it says Ruth's mother disagreed and um, talks about um, Ruth's passion for the library and the different um, role models that she encountered in her in books that she read. Um, it talks about what she observed in like oppressive systems. Um, um, and you see these signs that say no dogs or Jews allowed, no Mexicans, whites only, no colored. Like it's, it's, it's pretty in your face, right? Like they're not shying. The story does not shy away from, um, from the uh, oppressive structures and racism and xenophobia um, and anti-Semitism that colored her experience as a young person. Um, It talks about her experience in school um, and protesting. She was someone who was um, left-handed, who was forced to use her right hand. Uh. Um, And that kind of experience of deciding to just defy everyone around her and to continue to use her left hand and to find out that she didn't have terrible handwriting. She had terrible handwriting when she was using her non-dominant hand. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, talked about what she was good at in school, what she was not so good at in school. Like it does a really great job of, of making this character identifiable to a child reader, right? Like finding those things that a child reader, because sometimes biographies can be, um, I find that biographies can be not necessarily dense, but just not always do a great job at finding moments of levity or moments that of relatability in 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 characters from history right um so this one i think does a nice job of of telling a narrative that a child reader can appreciate and engage definitely be on the dry side sometimes yes yes um and then it talks about um her successes in school and then a tragedy that occurs her mother passes away um, the day before graduation. Mm. Um, and then, uh, Ruth goes to college and I I like that it, that it says not many girls went to college in the 1950s. Ruth Mm. made friends, but she also met girls who excluded Jews from their clubs. She met boys who thought she should be looking for husbands. Sorry. Looking for husbands. Oh, she met boys who thought <laughs> girls. Sorry, I misread that sentence. I'm like, wait a minute, how many husbands is she supposed to have? No, she met boys who thought girls should be looking for husbands, and then she met Martin Ginsburg. So I like that it um, resituates kind of her experience um, mm-hmm. um, in these expectations that she's kind of reaching and oppressions that she's kind of encountering. Um, as it's also talking about her, her narrative and her life. Um, and they go to, they, they plan to go to law school. Um, and the people think that that's ridiculous that she wants to go to law school. And then luckily, or not luckily, cause she made very intentional decisions throughout her life. Like she, um, the person she chose to be with Martin Ginsburg believed absolutely that she should go to law school and that he was going to be an active parent mm. and that he was going to cook and do a lot of that and let her career kind of take, um, precedence. Um, 
and they have a baby and talks about her experience in law school. Um, Ruth's law, again, I like that this does a nice job of giving us enough context to understand why what she's doing is notable. Um, it says Ruth's law school class had a total of nine women and 500 men. Wow. That's wild. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, she studied mightily and tied for the first place in the class. And yet at graduation time, no one would hire this brilliant new lawyer. Why not? She was a woman. Men didn't want to work with a woman. She was a mother. Men thought a mother wouldn't pay attention to work. She was Jewish. Many people were still prejudiced. Three strikes against her, but Ruth was not out. She resisted and persisted. And then finally she gets hired and becomes one of the, um, ultimately becomes one of the few female law professors in the whole country. I mean, she many Christmas, RBG, like, RBG, <laughs> like, she's just, she really is just this incredible um, figure in our, in our country's history. Um, and it talks about the way that she, uh, the things that she finds um, that the Supreme Court justices have written in the past that are sexist and oppressive and the way that she kind of works to fight back first um, going to court to fight for the equal treatment of women, like going to the, the Supreme Court um, and thinking of the justices as students and that herself kind of positioning herself as that professor role. Like I'm just here to teach them this um, and that she did not win every case, but she won enough. And with each victory, it says women and men and girls and boys, which, you know, you could be a little more inclusive in that language, Debbie Levy, um, enjoyed a little more equality. Um, and so it just goes on and to talk about what's happening at home for her, uh, her appointment to the Supreme Court and what she, the special collars that she wears when she dissents mm. um, and when she agrees and talks about a little bit about um, the different stances that she took on issues, particularly in her dissents. So the way that she continued to speak out about um, for equality and equity um, even when she, even when her kind of side did not win, um, and talks about the way it says, um, the last, the final sentence in the book is step by step. She has made a difference. One disagreement after another, which I love. I love. And then the, in the back, it, it gives kind of a more dense, um, more information and some photographs of her throughout her life. Um, so yeah, I just, and there's notes on Supreme court cases at the very end. There's some back matter. There's a selected bibliography, um, sources of the different quotes throughout the book. Hmm. So, um, this is a really, I think that this book does a very lovely job of, um, presenting a narrative about a, someone, you know, about a life story, um, situating it, in a way that gives enough context to understand why all of these different turns in her life are, are notable um, and kind of showcasing her successes while also not making her seem like a superhuman superhero, right? Like <laughs> yeah. All yeah. Very, showing that she was human for sure. Yeah. Keeping it, keeping her very um, relatable 
throughout. Mm. Um, and so this is a story of someone who was very, very frequently throughout her life, the odd person out and the person who was different from those around her and had different goals than what society expected. Um, and I think did push, push our understanding um, of equity um, throughout her life. I love that. I love that. Like I said, I like sort of taking the sort of different lenses of differences and what it means to be different. Yeah. We so those are my books. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for sharing those. Thank you um, for sharing yours. Yeah. So now you're covered. You've got books about differences. Right. <laughs> That's it. Those are the only ones. Um, <laughs> no, there. I think, like I was saying in the beginning, I think it's there's so many, and there's also so many different ways you can interpret this, like like we were talking about. Um, that there are lots of different books about these kinds of things, but um, I think those are some good ones to start with. Well, yeah, uh, and we have a uh, nice range on our spectrum of yeah. incidental and like kind of issue books and incidental representation of our theme. Yes. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> all right well thank you so much Rebecca it's been a pleasure as always Likewise, see you next time uh, bye and remember stay rad <laughs>